At Meridian Audio, we deliver extraordinary experiences. We create moments that bring people together, forge shared connections and make unforgettable memories. Don't just take our word for it. Experience audio as it's meant to sound. With a visit to our Cambridgeshire HQ, it's the home of high-res audio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast produced by the home integration community for the home integration community. My name is Jeff Hayward, and with my industry guest today, we'll be looking at the network. How important is the network to the experiences we create for customers? Where are the opportunities? And what training is out there to support you in delivering a robust network for your customers? And how do you deal with the question, isn't everything wireless these days? As IMAX Enhanced makes its European demonstration debut, we also sit down with Xperi to find out how this partnership between DTS and IMAX will help your customers get the most out of their home entertainment. Welcome to the Integrated Home. We are in the excellent reference cinema of pod supporter AWE for this show today. It's a great demo space available for integrators to use for their clients. Alongside a smaller cinema, they've got a dedicated music room here and various open plan setups too. So come along to Alexander House when you get the chance. Following on from Nicola of Sona, a guest on last month's show, and in a bid to prove that Nick is the most popular name in home integration, I'm delighted to say that we have with us on the pod today industry veteran Nick Moore of Custom Electronic Design and Nikolai Landschultz of integration firm Indigo Zest. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, Nick, what's your background in the industry? I got into the industry by a happy accident. I fell into it uh, when I was a a student. Uh, I needed a part-time job and I got a job at a hi-fi store and I never looked back. So uh, that was 1992 and here we are some years later um, having had a a great career doing a vast variety of different uh, jobs and roles. Um, I find myself uh, here today. So uh, thank you very much for the invitation. And the company you're at now is? Is Custom Electronic Design in Egham, where where I'm operating as the uh, Sales and Operations Director. Wonderful. And Nikolai, how did you find your way into home integration? I, I've always had a passion for it since I was a kid. Just loved the concept of, of automating anything that I could get my hands on. I then ended up as a, as a programmer. That was my first job in IT and uh, made my way into banking, running lots of different IT roles within banking. And ultimately, back in 2010, left banking and decided it was time to start up my own home automation business, see if I couldn't somehow get some success within that within that space. So so that's 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 really where I came from. And what about Indigo Zest? Where are you now? So where are we now? So we're no longer just me. We, we are now 10 people based out of um, Watford with two showrooms in Amersham and Northampton. So we've grown quite quickly to, to what feels like a, a, a reasonable success. And I guess with that background, you're well placed to understand how important networks are. I certainly have my own take on it. Um, a couple of times in my career, I've been a network operations manager for various banks and consultancies. So yeah, I've got a bit of a take on, on how important networking is. So how much of the work that you do currently is network-driven or network-based? Everything is network-driven because everything runs on top of a network. So without a good network in the home, you're not going to have a good home automation system. One of our suppliers have got a statistic that they work with, which basically suggests that 70% of the problems that they see is related on the network. So solve the network issues, you solve a lot of the problems that people will experience in the home. And I guess, Nick, with your 
years of experience, you've seen the network become more and more important in how you deliver typical AV. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the reality is that those years ago, there was almost no requirement for broadband or IP connectivity. We talked about a convergent technology about five or six years ago, and suddenly today we find ourselves in a situation where we have almost every product that we use is um, Ethernet connected, and it requires bandwidth to operate, essentially. So yes, it's changed massively. And how does that affect the way that you run your business? I mean, how, how do you set up the business to deliver networks? We, I feel we've got the, the, the expertise in-house to certainly design the sizes of networks that we need. So we would design that as part of the overall solution. When we take people through the showroom, they, they want to talk about the, the, the fancy stuff, the, the screens and the, all the automation and whatever, whatever it is. They never really want to talk about the networking, but it's always, oh, and by the way, I need Wi-Fi throughout my house. That's fine. We'll do that. Clients don't tend to necessarily understand what it takes to build a good network, but we will, and we will explain that to them, and we will make sure that that's designed in so that there is a, a solid network foundation. And we make it clear to them that we will build the network for them because they do need to have a good network. And without a good network, they're not going to have a good home automation solution. And they all seem to accept that. And actually, I would say most of our clients live in some sort of property where there isn't good Wi-Fi coverage anyway. So that becomes a natural requirement for them. So at what point in the conversation are you talking networks? Is uh, Presumably it's the AV that gets them excited, but actually you have to bring them back to we need to explore what the data network is like in your property or yeah well that's true and actually um at what i described as blueprint um phase we start to sit people down and say okay well look here here are your speakers here are your tv outlets um here is the head end for the equipment now let's start talking about wi-fi let's start talking about the data distribution and if you start to put it in those terms where actually it becomes it's part of the landscape that the the 3d landscape it's taken as read. Wireless access point positions are identified. Clients go, yeah, I, I understand that. It's on the legend and the documentation. So it's effectively baked into the, the process at early doors, if you like. Um, and we are, if you like, um, ensuring ourselves against potential future uh, problems by ensuring that they accept that this is part of the the, 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 des, the design. So good design, really. And, and But going back, um, not so very many years ago, uh, we'd obviously have um, l less components on our drawings. Um, hand sketches were the, the thing. These days, we have to be much more disciplined. And I think this drives us to be more disciplined and also enables our clients to be better informed about what we're doing as well and the benefits that the better network will ultimately bring them. And how do you deliver that? Does it require a different skill set within your team of engineers to, to do networks? Very much so, actually. Although they are coexistent, our, our, our commissioning and our programming engineers all understand about the good uh, basic foundations of what, what makes a good network. So nobody's in the dark, as it were. We're all informed as to what we're supposed to be doing. There are a couple of uh, our engineers who are specialists in their field, uh, and they will, of course, be setting up networks. And I, and I guess, Nicola, you're the same as well. You've got the, the, the effectively the, the A team of commissioners who go in there and set up the networks yeah, for you. Absolutely. And also we would typically build a lot of, of, of the network off-site off as well, so in the office literally set up the whole network and VLAN structures and whatever else, get the Wi-Fi access points ready, etc. So when it comes to being on site, it's more a question of getting it installed in the right places 
and testing that it's working as as designed. Yeah, and I, th I think that says a lot about um, the validity of the, a good design process because yes, you're absolutely right. If you designed it in 2D beforehand, you can set it all up quite happily off-site. And when you bring it to site, provided all the uh, cables are, test, are tested as, as they should do and they're, they're compliant, um, it, it will work from uh, literally out of the effective box. We find it's, a, it's quite a, an impressive moment for the client when, when you rock up with a rack and you put, start putting things in, connecting up speakers and whatever else, and within half a day, all of a sudden, they feel they've got a working system. Yeah. might have taken you a week in the office to get to that stage, <laughs> but you know, on site, there's a lot less work, yeah. than, and that, that always yeah. comes across quite well. Well, then they ask you, about why are you paying? Why are we paying? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about the consumer understanding of uh, networks. I mean, I often feel that there's a there's a real discrepancy between consumer understanding of wired wireless and particularly the confusion that brings in terms of wireless networking that infiltrates into the expectation that everything ought to be wireless within their home. I mean, is that something you've come across a lot? Yes, I, 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 you, you get that. You get people walking in and they'll tell you that they don't need cables because it's all wireless. And you have to have that conversation around, well, you know, if we've got to get a video signal out, we need something a little bit more powerful than, than just your Wi-Fi signal. You know, to get that Wi-Fi access point to work, there's got to be a cable back from it. And we're not going to use those plug-in power line modules that they seem to have heard about as well. So it's just a conversation that you need to have. And, you know, hopefully as, as professionals, we, we can get the customers to understand why, why what we're saying has a validity. Do you think it's helpful to have that conversation right up front early on? I think it is, um, and I think it gives everybody an opportunity to think about what they want to do. In terms of the design as well, um, we get to a stage where we obviously speak to our clients about how many devices they need to have supported. Um, so again, in the, the landscape that we, when we created design, if we can understand their usage pattern, what their expectations are of the system and so on, we can also tell them stories about, yeah, okay, the plug-in power line kind of devices are extraordinarily hit and miss. Ask anybody if they've had a really good experience with uh, th these kind of products. It's not just Powerline, but other products like that. Um, unpredictability is the killer of Wi-Fi. And it really doesn't do us any justice or any, any, any favors if we don't uh, stand our ground and say, look, you know, if you want to go to the end of the garden and have four bars of the Wi-Fi and streaming music, we need to do something now about it. And that really will require embedding and creating a structured network that is capable of supporting that, not just for today, but also for the future as well. So. I think I think the one thing that's actually made that conversation a little bit more difficult recently is both Sky and BT coming out and saying, we give you super Wi-Fi and it's going to work everywhere and we give you lots of boosters. Yes. Because yes. it isn't the same as the type of Wi-Fi that we want to put in, but it's clearly very low cost for the consumer. So to have that conversation and get them back to why they need to have a professionally installed, professionally supported, not just Wi-Fi, but network um, is, is quite important. Mm. And there are other things that comes into play there, the whole security aspects of being able to look after those devices and keep the firmware up to date and keep them at the, the best threat protection level, et cetera, is, is, is quite important. So any advice on how to manage that conversation in terms of what you actually say to them to get them back to your way of thinking? Well, I guess I would touch on the things I just touched on here. You know, the, you, you are looking at consumer devices that isn't going to have the same level of protection, the same level of performance as the prosumer devices or enterprise-grade devices that we are able to install and configure for them. Making that clarity of the distinction between enterprise-grade and 
consumer is is a really important thing to have. Absolutely, and I think you can just start with the BT router, right? You've got no control over any other ISP. You've got no control over their router in terms of wanting to maintain that and keep it up to date, etc. Let alone the fact that a number of those out there aren't that stable, so they will fall over. And I think consumers are used to having to go and reboot them from time to time. So that's that's a, a an, an important part of that conversation. Saying, well, what we put in has a much higher uptime rate, much more, much higher reliability. So that's why you need to think about using these types of devices rather than sticking with what you've been given. Completely agree with that. Totally agree. And again, um, trying to enable the clients to understand what we're actually doing, and that we're not really just supporting uh, consumer products, as you so rightly said. Uh, we are, we're supporting you know, hard drives and a whole raft of different products that need their attention as professionals. It's our responsibility mm. to make sure we can look after them remotely, have access to them as well. So when we're designing the, the VLANs, uh, the VPNs and so forth, we can't do it with effectively off-the-shelf, relatively expensive um, devices as issued by your ISP. It does require us to, to take control of that whole um, area of, yeah. of their installation, very much so. So when a client talks to you about coming in and putting in a fantastic whole home audio system or TVs in every room or whatever it might be and expects you then to use their BT Home Hub as the platform to do that, it's quite an easy conversation to say, actually, we're going to need to do that as well. I think so. And I think in, in the overall scheme of, of what the customer is going to be spending with you, that isn't necessarily going to break the bank. Mm. You know, there's a lot of money spent elsewhere in the project. Mm. So to replace that that ISP router with a with a few other bits, if it's a smaller project, is fine. If you're building a larger project, it's it's a no-brainer. You you can't do that with with what's there, let alone you wouldn't have enough network ports just to begin with. Absolutely. What about business opportunities? Do you think uh, they can be a door opener talking networks to other AV technologies? Yes, very much so. And I think it comes back down to the fact that obviously, as we discussed, almost every device, every system now is IP enabled. Um, they all converge and they all plug into one way or the other uh, a switch. So whether it's CCTV or it's an intruder alarm or it's access control or it's the video door entry panel or it's the hi-fi. In fact, it goes, the list goes on. It's as long as your arm. The TV in the, in the bedroom. Each and every one of these devices is on the internet and uh, each one plugs back into the local area network and each one of them is supplied by um, us really as an industry. So um, we have an opportunity not just to take control, but also to offer best performance, best value as well. So yes, it is a it's an incredible opportunity for us. Yeah, completely agree with that. Mm. The more IoT devices out there, the better. <laughs> I, th I think the other thing about the IoT devices is that they are helpful in educating the consumer about what's available. A couple of years ago, if you if you met somebody at a party and you said you do your your systems integrator or you do smart homes, they'd look at you and say, what does that, what does that mean? Nowadays, at least they might say, oh, oh, so you do Hive. Well, it's a bit more than that, but you know, at least at least we got somewhere to start the conversation between us. It's like Hive, yeah, but works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it seems to me we've moved the conversation on from talking all about wall acne. We're now getting into a place where it's app acne that seems to be a bit of an issue for consumers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I define that as Appland, which is a strange place to be because as, <laughs> as well you know in Appland, you have to jump in and jump out of the apps the whole time. There's no continuity of service. And look, as, as custom installers and as integrators, it's our job to give the client a single user interface. Um, it's a seamless operation as far as they're concerned, but we're taking control of this great mass of different components. 
far as they're concerned, it's as if they've got the device next to them. And so Absolutely. And that's our skill and craft, actually. That's, yeah. the, that's the magic fairy dust. And not just the jumping in and out having a single app. It's, it's that word integration. Now you make them aware of each other. You can make them react to each other in a way that you can't really do in Appland. Mm, mm. If, you, if you have a lighting control system, that's great. You can turn the light on and off and you can turn it off and on when you're away, etc. But if you now also have motorized blinds and you've got an alarm system, this, the, the minute you leave and you put your alarm system on, your lighting control system becomes part of your you know, security system. And that's all from one button. It's not through going into different apps and doing different things. It's, it's all completely context-aware. You come back home, you switch your alarm system off. That might be from your touchscreen in, in the hallway, but all of a sudden your lighting control system is now back in normal mode and your blinds will rise up. That's difficult to do in Appland. Mm, I know there are yeah. services out there, cloud-based services out there, but that's not as easy to achieve and it's not as reliable and stable and as, as we can make it from our perspective. I totally agreed. Uh, and in fact, I mean, to, to, to go on to, to that point, we have devices that interact with each other. We press a button and things happen. And that process is now a, a two-way process. So we can see the thing happening, but we can also monitor it. it's happening in a log as well. So actually, um, we understand more about the, uh, the intrinsic DNA of the technology in the house and can talk to it better. We can understand how it feels. We can almost take its pulse as well. So when a client calls up and says, something's not working, we can actually dive in and we can understand, we can log in, and we mm. can understand why it's not working and how that may or may not affect other devices within its, its group, its network. So, so that, that's been an enormous uh, uh, assistance to us as well and has sold a great number of service contracts too. Um, you know, so from a commercial perspective, it's also a benefit to us. And would you say that our industry gets networks? Hmm. Oh, God, what a question. Um, two people in a room, one will get it, one won't. I mean, you know, uh, actually... So I, does that go for you and me then? I think <laughs> so. Four people in a room. Don't I mean, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, uh, yeah, the knowledge, network knowledge is, is variable, isn't it? It's a bit like the weather. Yeah. You know, some people will understand it, will get it and will respond to it and so on. Others will be less so. Um, and in our industry, um, certainly uh, there are those who are less savvy, I suppose, less trained and less um, keen to, to, to understand. But you know, that's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of another conversation about training, though, isn't it, really? Yeah, and certification. I think yes. as an industry, that's generally something we're lacking. And there is some good stuff out there around networking that people can go and get certified, mm. which I think being able to prove that to customers is a, is a helpful advantage. Yes, yes. Uh, agreed entirely. And uh, I mean, as, as our um, trade association, CEDIA, you know, the Custom Electronic Design and Installation Association, um, are constantly promoting the value of great training. Uh, there's a recent white paper, um, which is a, is, is a very good read on networking uh, terms, abbreviations, understanding what it all means and why we, why we need to be uh, as on the board as we possibly mm. can as well. So what sort of certification should uh, consumers be asking integrators to have in their toolkit? So I think that the obvious one is the CDA, ESCT, yeah. uh, ESCN, sorry, because obviously that is a networking certification so that will demonstrate a level of networking knowledge. Mm -hmm. They could also start asking for certification around the specific products that you're installing. So some of the manufacturers will have their own accreditation certification mm. for their product range. And if you're installing those, 
and you're accredited in those, then there is a good chance that you have a reasonable level of knowledge in them. Um, Nick, I think when we were talking uh, previously about this topic, you, you described it as a little bit of a wild west out there. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And I think I think everybody knows what you mean. You can go into Curry's or any of the electronic shops or online, and you can buy devices that you can take home, plug in. And realistically, um, I'm not sure how secure they are. I don't know what level of encryption they have. Um, they are security issues uh, that we need to take into consideration. So, so the Wild West is, is, is really a place where um, we lose our ability to, to, to control. We are effectively technology sheriffs. To use the Wild West analogy, I'm sorry, it's rubbish, isn't it? Um, but, but we're the kind of the show, the marshal in town, and some new gunslinger walks in, and uh, you know we have to manage that. And whether that's a device that you plug in or whether it's a device that's actually purportedly wireless, wire-free, um, it still falls under our protection, under our protectorship as well. So, so uh, as each year goes on and each, uh, as more devices proliferate, as the mushrooming of IoT devices, things uh, happens, um, we as an industry uh, have to look forward, ensure that the networks that we're putting in now are secure enough to manage the, the, the presence of these devices, but also to enable us to expand, grow the network to, to support them in future. And I really don't know what's coming. Some of the stuff is good, some of it's a little less good. Um, there was that wonderful story, uh, sad story, obviously, really, about the um, Chinese CCTV company who obviously sent out all their CCTV cameras with with the, the, the same username and password and so on. So default usernames and passwords, which, which ruined security for a great number of users, I think. And that's the situation that we are here to try and resolve, I think. Where do you think the market's heading in networks? What do you, what do you see coming down the line, Nikolai? I think you're going to have more of them. We're going to have more ports. We're going to have more Wi-Fi devices. We're going to get faster Wi-Fi. If it's back to the conversation around everything's going to get wireless, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're still going to have something with a physical wire where we know there's always a, an unimpeded signal that I can go back and forwards. But yes, I mean, to, to Nick's point, there will be more IoT devices out there which will require Wi-Fi. So there will absolutely be more need for Wi-Fi. There'll be need, more need for improved Wi-Fi security. We've got WPA3 coming out now, came out last year, I think. So again, it's looking at how we can take advantage of that on our customers' network. Anything to add to that, Nick? Where do you think it's going? Um, well, we talk about 5G. We talk about a lot of, of uh, uh, sort of Wi-Fi-based uh, improvements. Um, yes, it'll come, no question of that. But I would just caution that we still have the same basic architectural issues to take into consideration, building construction, um, materials, the manner of buildings don't necessarily um, play nicely with Wi-Fi at, at any level. So to your point, Nikolai, I, mean, I completely agree. I don't see a time where we'll be wires free and be able to predict a, a good output. In fact, more so um, the, you know, the, the greater bandwidth that we try and push down into our, various, into our houses um, does require a cable or fibred uh, um, fat pipe, if you like. Uh, and we we go completely wires-free at our peril, is what I would say. And that is because we just simply can't predict necessarily what's going to happen. Even in my own home, between one room and, the, and another, um, I lose an enormous amount of Wi-Fi. And it's just because the wall happens to be masonry. If I had a cable, which, by the way, I did put in, 
Um, and I have a, a switch on the other end of it now, it works fine. But, you know, again, the predictability of construction, the predictability of new builds, the predictability of existing housing stock means that, you know, wires is definitely the best way forward. Mm. Well, it's interesting as well, you mentioned 5G, which which got me thinking, we are going to see, I think we're going to see more and more data transmitted over a wireless connection that isn't necessarily contained within our homes. So let's say you go over 5G, so now you're going over some sort of carrier, but it's data that's going to be coming back into our properties as well. So I think we're going to see more of that type of communication as well, which, which again, just means we've got to think hard about security because we are now connecting more and more to our home remotely. That's true. And I guess in the, in the commercial environment, the office environment, where you've got the sort of BYOD, bring your mm. own device uh, philosophy, um, there is a, uh, you know, there's a, there's a security which, a commercial security of networks is, is something which every sensible business has in place. So they have a strategy for dealing with that. Um, but actually, in the, in, the, in the situation that you're talking about, if you're bringing in a, effectively a potential carrier of something into your home, we do need to make sure we've got um, su- sufficient protection firewalls uh, to enable us to, to, to manage that, and in, in, in some cases, intruder and definitely an unwanted visitor. So best advice for integrators would be? Right, from the top, proper design. Make sure you design the system properly. Look at the house, look at the layout of the building, look at the construction. Talk to the owner about their expectations of the system. Um, what is it you want to achieve? How many iPads have you got, for example, and what are they doing? Are they all streaming audio? Um, where are they? Wireless access points, uh, talk about them where they need to be. Uh, we can obviously do heat maps. We can. Uh, we can work out where these need to be security. Um, and that's probably an area, Nikolai, that you're best first to talk about, as I would suggest. Yeah, I, I th- some of it is almost so obvious. Uh, things like clearly putting your firewall in and getting it up to date, but don't start opening ports. Find other, you know, use the VPNs, use the VLANs to segregate your, your traffic, to secure the way into the network and out of the network, etc. Make sure you've got proper security. Negotiate a password for the Wi-Fi with the customer that isn't one, two, three, four, five, you know, something a little stronger than that. Mm. Um, some, some of these sort of more obvious things that potentially our customers wouldn't necessarily deal with in the normal course of things. If they have IoT devices, again, make sure that we don't have default usernames and passwords on those, but they all get changed to something that's a, a lot more obscure, but still manageable for the customer. And if you're not sure about networks, get trained. I think that's almost obvious as part of it. You know, before you do this, you should get you should get trained and get certified. Yes. Absolutely, I'm nodding vigorously, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> or, or at least, if you don't want to do it yourself, make sure you're working with a subcontractor who's equally well qualified and can help you out. Absolutely, and there are there are uh, quite a number of companies, specialists in our field, actually now, who can help us out as well. Um, so, irrespective of um, application, uh, irrespective of scale, um, there are some very expert uh, people who, who know exactly what they're doing in terms of um, m- managing our networks. Right. Don't fear the network. Don't fear the network. It's it's there and it's there to stay and grow. So absolutely got to get with it. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks both. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Joe. Right, Nikolai, it's your turn in the hot seat. Nick is going to throw you some curveball questions and you have 30 seconds to give us your answers. Are you ready? I guess I am. Away we go. Okay, Nikolai. Uh, What is the one must-see made-in-Denmark TV drama that you would choose to recommend 
to a friend who's never seen one. Organ. What's the best thing about working in the home technology industry? I get to work with technology that I really enjoy and people that are just amazing. Good answer. Which recently invented technology is having the biggest effect on your business? Based on the what, what you discussed earlier, I'd probably say Hive. Which presenter in Top Gear is most like you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jeremy Clarkson just because he's as grumpy as I can be sometimes. If you could change one part of the job, what would it be? I'd try and work less hours. Finally, you're marooned on a desert island with a fully working solar-powered TV and music system. What's the one classic Blu-ray and one classic album that you would take with you to enjoy until you're rescued? So music-wise, I'd, I'd go with some now 80s, I think. And film-wise, I'd go with that Mafia trilogy, which I completely forgot the name of. Godfather. Godfather, that's the one. <laughs> one, two, and three. Absolutely. Brilliant. So this AWE reference cinema hosted the first IMAX enhanced demo in the UK back at the end of 2018. What better place for us to sit down with Gabriel Cosgrave, General Manager, Europe and Global Business Operations from Xperi, to find out more about it. Gabriel, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And let me start by asking you, who exactly are Xperi? So Xperia, as, as, as the name kind of references a little bit, is really came from the word experiences. And that, that's what we're all about. Enabling extraordinary experiences is our, our mission and vision statements. We tend to do this by, by integrating our technology solutions into consumer electronics. And those solutions come under multiple brands, including DTS, which are familiar with from an audio side, Photonation, which is an imaging business that we do uh, out of Ireland and Romania, HD radio, and obviously IMAX enhanced most recently, where you'll see that in a high quality audio and imaging experience across a lot, a lot of products in the world. So what exactly is IMAX enhanced? So IMAX enhanced is, is a new licensing and certification home entertainment program. Sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but let me explain a little bit more. There there are four key pillars in the program that differentiate the experience for the consumer, right? They're image, sound, scale, and content. And I'm going to reference those throughout this uh, conversation. But from an image perspective, it's 4K HDR images that are, are remastered using the IMAX proprietary DMR solution, which really provides the clearest images possible. And when you take large screens paired with 4K HDR content, it can highlight noise and grain effect. Right. So the clean IMAX enhanced content provides that really amazing clarity and quality of image for consumers to enjoy. From a sound perspective, immersive and powerful sound experiences, you know, that is an experience that people would be used to in the IMAX theaters is brought to that home setup via DTS audio technology and the IMAX preferred sound mixed. Uh, the partnership with DTS allows that to be created in the home in a really immersive way as, as they originally intended. From a scale perspective, the third pillar is IMAX has an expanded aspect ratio, which on selected movies and documentaries that fills the screen. Um, and that's unique to IMAX in, in themselves from a greater viewing experience, which will make that really good for larger screens in particular. And content, last but not least, of course, the IMAX brand is synonymous with high quality content through movies. I mean, the IMAX enhanced program itself enables that content to be brought to the home. So you have that unique experience from your own living room. Okay. So how is it actually delivered? Great question. So the, to qualify for the IMAX enhanced logo, uh, the highest end TVs, projectors, soundbars, and AV receivers 
must meet stringent performance standards established between IMAX, ourselves at DTS, and Hollywood's leading studio experts. And that's really in order to create a consistent and higher bar for image and sound performance on premium devices. Content is delivered via 4K HDR sources that include 4K UHD Blu-ray and 4K HDR streaming partners. So it's both hardware and content that go through this certification and optimization process. That's right, Jeff. Yeah. There are very high standards that need to be met by hardware devices in order to be certified by this program. This is not about mass market. This is about unique experiences. So it will only be provided through selected partner and devices. The, the content providers um, will be also licensed to deliver IMAX enhanced content program as well as obviously the, the hardware device guys. Great. Okay. So which brands currently support IMAX enhanced? You know, DTS has been working with the world's major CE brands around the world for over 20 years. And, and we continuously adding brands to this program. But as I said earlier, it's, it's, it's only for certain very high performance standards that we're meeting. We announced several device brands in late 2018 and early uh, 19 to date, including Sony, uh, Denon and Marantz under Sound United, Onkyo Pioneer, Elite, TCL, Integra, Trinov, Arcom and Lexicon, which are part of Harman, as you know, and audio control, but we expect to launch, uh, announce more as, as 19 progresses. On the content creator side, we've announced Sony Pictures, Paramount Pictures and IMAX Entertainment themselves, along with our streaming partners, Fandango Now, Privilege 4K, Rakuten TV, and Tencent Video in Asia. Excellent. And what consumer marketing are you putting behind the program? So in Europe, for example, which is obviously my remit, we're deploying a number of marketing initiatives, including trade show participation. And you mentioned the iLive coming up. I'll talk about that in a second. Digital and print press we're going to do as well across 2019, uh, but also retail store sound room setups uh, with some of our close retail partners across Europe. And you can expect to see uh, this ramp up uh, as we get it closer, uh, further into 19 and into 2020. Okay. Um, will integrators require any special training or support to deliver an IMAX enhanced experience? The certified devices and content will be the main drivers behind ensuring the IMAX experience is delivered. So if you think about that for a second, the integrators themselves, obviously, they need to be knowledgeable of the program and we're here to help that. The certified devices and content make sure they understand how they, you know, how they're certified, why they're certified under the IMAX uh, enhanced program from a performance standards perspective, but also understand that the best configuration and calibration is performed for their customers. So, you know, a lot of if you walk into any, you know, showrooms and sound stores, you'll see a ton of, uh, of brand of logos and this, that and the other explaining what different technologies try to do. But if you see IMAX enhanced program and DTS, consumers can expect that is the highest performing quality in those devices. So that uh, that from a, an, ins, uh, an installer's perspective, integrator's perspective uh, is, a, is a selling point by itself. So it's a great support for integrators selling home cinema to consumers who want that supreme high quality experience. That is exactly it. You, you're getting the best of the best when you're in this, when you're getting devices with this program installed. Fantastic. Where can you find out more information, Gabriel? So you can go to a dedicated website. We have imaxenhanced.com um, for more information. It also lists the launch partners, the device partners and content and streaming partners that we're doing. And we're keeping that up to date as we announce. Or you can also contact any of our uh, Xperia offices, which are, are all listed on Xperia.com. 
And you mentioned uh, the EI Live event coming up where you're working with AWE, I believe, on something quite special. That's right. We're delighted to partner with AWE for that upcoming EI Live show outside London on April 30 and May 1st. Um, AWE have partnerships with, with Sony, then on Marantz, amongst others, that are dis- and, and are partnering with us to display an IMAX enhanced theater style setup at the show in their AWE City location. Experienced staff, including myself, will be there to answer questions and ensure uh, viewers get a great experience along the way. So please, please come along. Excellent. Thank you, Gabriel. More than welcome. Thank you for your time, Jeff. Thank you, Nick and Nikolai, for your insights into the network. And thank you, Gabriel, for talking to us about IMAX Enhanced. Be sure to come along to EI Live at the end of this month for your demo of the technology, courtesy of AWE. And our thanks too to AWE for hosting us here in Epsom today. We're available on audio on-demand platforms everywhere, and you can also find us on Twitter at IntHomePod and on Facebook and Instagram at IntegratedHomePod. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of Meridian Audio and AWE. We are a Wildwood and Alfie Media production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. So far, thanks to the huge generosity of manufacturers, distributors and integrators freely giving of their time, products and expertise, we've created 21 dedicated cinemas. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.